Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. When I started changing the way I think and really looking at people kind of with this holy curiosity of why do you think that way? And maybe I'll learn something. There's much less misunderstanding on my part when I have that curiosity about me. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, one of the most painful experiences in life is to be misunderstood. And honestly, it has happened to me more times than I can count. And it is a heartbreaking experience. And most of us have experienced it in some way. We've been misheard, mischaracterized, or misrepresented by family, by friends, or even strangers. And even worse than that, too many of us have endured long, painful seasons of misunderstanding in which people around us have either questioned or even judged our motives or our actions. And we've asked ourselves, like, how do I correct these misperceptions? Do I try to defend myself? Or does that make me look guilty? How can I even find joy if somebody believes something about me that isn't true? (laughs) My guest today dug deep into this experience in her own life and in God's word to bring us hope and help. Mary DeMuth is an author of more than 40 books. She's also a podcaster at Pray Every Day. She's an artist and a literary agent with a passion for God. She and her husband, Patrick, have three adult children, and they reside near Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Mary. It's so great to see you and to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, my goodness. So (laughs) you and I were talking just a little bit before we uh, hit record, and we go way back. We go way back. (laughs) I don't even remember the first time we met. I don't, maybe you do. I don't remember how we met, but I... I think the first thing that we did together is we, you did a book for Hearts at Home. And that was Ordinary Mom. Yes, Ordinary Mom, Extraordinary God. Yes. Yes. Now, what book number was that for you? That was the first one. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that was the first of your 40 books. Yes. Yes. So that was awesome. Yes. Yeah. 
That is so cool. And, and that book would have come out early 2000s. Yeah, 2005 it released. Okay. But then you and I knew each other before that (laughs) because let's see, you went to France, you and your husband were missionaries in France Mm -hmm. and you were there the same time that our daughter was in France. Our daughter was in Paris for... I don't remember six or nine months, something like that. And, and you guys were there at the same time. And I think she traveled to Nice to yep. actually from Paris to Nice to babysit for you. <laughs> she did. And she was <laughs> awesome. And our kids loved her. We were there from 2004 to the beginning of 2007. So it was during that time that we saw her and probably more toward that. I remember the pictures I have with her are when we first landed. So it would have been the summer of 2004. Okay. That makes a, that makes a lot of sense because when she was there, she ended up getting engaged there. Mm-hmm. And she got engaged on the Eiffel Tower of all places. As um, you should. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was definitely a proposal to be remembered. So I love that. I love that. So 40 books. And you don't write just nonfiction. You have both fiction and nonfiction titles. Correct. And for a period of time, it was about 50-50. And now I've kind of, I do more nonfiction than fiction. But this particular book, I got to wear both hats. So I got to write fiction, um, biblical fiction for the stories of these 10 women, and then nonfiction as we worked out what we learned about being misunderstood. Oh, I love that. So the title of your new book, uh, share people what the title is. Yes, it's the most misunderstood women of the Bible. And I never remember the subtitle, but it is, I have it right here. What their stories teach us about thriving. Aha. Yes. So you retold stories of the women in the Bible and how they were misunderstood and what we can learn from those stories. Mm-hmm. And so every time I know, you know, I, I know enough authors and certainly have my own experience our books come out of our experiences. Mm -hmm. So what really compelled you to write this book? Well, like every human being, I I have been misunderstood. There was one particular incident with a friend several years ago that just really stuck with me and I couldn't let it go. It just stayed in my head and swirled around. I I couldn't, I kept trying to unpack it and figure it out. And it just broke my heart, to be honest. Yeah. And during that time, I was also reading the Bible through quickly and just continuing to read it, read it, read it, read it. And I was seeing a lot of these women that were portrayed by, you know, pastors or sermons or talks that I've heard. And I just in that plain reading of scripture, I was seeing that it wasn't quite meshing with what I had heard. And so there was kind of this dichotomy there. So I married the two ideas of what is it like to be misunderstood? What's it like to walk through the valley of misunderstanding? And then looking at women who had been both in their context and historically, and what does the Bible teach us about, you know, what, what can they teach us? They walk through it too. So what can they teach us? I always love learning from different people in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just so much when we begin to dig into their story. And I love uh, Christian fiction when they can take biblical truth, but weave it in such a way that I see 
I see something different, right? So mm-hmm. what were what are some of the stories that you dug into and maybe uh, one or two surprises, something that surprised you as you dug into that? So I went through 10 stories and they were um, Eve, Hagar, Leah, Rahab, Naomi, Bathsheba, Tamar, the Proverbs 31 woman, Mary of Magdala, and Phoebe um, from Romans. And um, probably the most surprising to me was, actually, this is later. So I wrote the book and I've been surprised at how many people have been touched by Naomi's story because we always hear about Ruth and she's kind of like the, you know, she's the title lady of the book of Ruth. Um, but Naomi is walking through grief. Mm-hmm. And I think a hundred percent of us again have walked through grief. And particularly now after the pandemic, we're reeling from a lot of grief, whether it be loss of a loved one or loss of a future or loss of dreams, loss of what we thought was going to happen. And so there's just a lot of parallel there to the importance of learning how to lament and giving people permission to be sad. Yeah, I can totally see that. And I think that, um, you know, when we mesh that with other parts of the Bible, like Psalms, you know, mm-hmm. it really helps us to um, understand all of the emotional roller coasters that uh, we can ride and that there's really nothing new under the sun. Our experiences, our human experiences are like their human experiences. Exactly. And that's one of the things I think is lovely about the research for that book is I didn't research characters. I researched human beings. These were not, Mm. you know, characters in a book. These were living, breathing human beings with flaws, just like us with victories. Um, I think about Hagar and just all of the stress that she went through and yet she encountered the living God and all of these stories have a redemptive thread in them. And that to me brings me so much joy that even if you're going through the Valley of shadow of death, there is mm-hmm. still redemption. There's still a positive story at the end. We may not perceive it 100% here, but because we see in a mirror dimly, but we can be assured that God is working out all things for the good and for his purposes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, is there one of those stories that you related to the most? You know, I, there's a lot of them I relate to. I think that the story of Tamar, and this is Tamar number two, not the one who pretended to be a prostitute and slept with her father-in-law. Uh, this is the second <laughs> Tamar who was raped by her brother, her half-brother, David's mm-hmm. daughter. And, mm-hmm. you know, that is a hard story because in so many ways, but because there's not a huge redemptive thread in that story. But if you really dig deep into it, so she's been raped. She ends up living with her other brother, Absalom. Absalom, um, King David doesn't really do anything about it. Um, this is in the aftermath of what he's done to Bathsheba. So maybe he's got some shame associated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We, Bible's sure. silent on that. And now she has to, she lives with her brother for the rest of her life. And she asks this question, how can I get rid of my disgrace? But if you look at the name 
of Tamar. It means date palm. And having been in Israel and, and had this interesting little, this little conversation with our tour guide, um, he said that date palms start on the ground and they are just down there until they fully develop. And then it's like the stem, which is the trunk moves straight up and then they start producing all these dates. And I think that's a really beautiful metaphor for her life because we see in the end of the story that Absalom names his daughter Tamar. And so you can't help but think that maybe she had such a positive and amazing influence in his household that he wanted right. to commemorate her with that same name for his daughter. So I do think that there's redemption there. But sometimes I think there's people listening to this podcast today who are in the middle of their story. They cannot see their way out. I mean, I recall some of your journeys over the past several years mm-hmm. that seemed like they were not going to turn out well. And there is still hope and God still holds you in the middle of the story when it has not mm-hmm. yet been resolved. Yes, absolutely. And and the more that we soak ourselves in God's truth, the more that we soak ourselves in the stories of those who have gone before us, whether it's actually in the Bible or even the stories of, of our contemporaries mm-hmm. sometimes who have gone before us, you know, others that are walking the faith journey, it gives us hope and it reminds us of those truths when we are walking through hard things. Yes, absolutely. And that's why it is so great to, um, at least for me, and I think it's good for everybody, is to read the Word of God and ask those questions. And how can I learn from this person and what they've walked through? But also to have mentors and people who are farther along the journey than you that you could ask those questions. Today, I was with a, a group of women who've been walking through menopause, and I had some questions for them <laughs> because they've been walking that pathway before me, and I could learn a few things um, so mm-hmm. we need both of those. We need the the authority of scripture, absolutely, but we also need each other. Yeah, we absolutely do. So you said, you know, you had this situation with a friendship and you felt misunderstood in that. It probably couldn't bring some sort of closure to that situation, which I have experienced before as well. Mm-hmm. And I have, I still have a friendship that sits out there that is very mm-hmm. painful for me to think about. And I, um, I, I never had a, a person, I'd never had a girlfriend break up with me, mm-hmm. <laughs> a girlfriend, but right. literally that's what happened. She just I mean, it was the weirdest mm-hmm. thing. I was like, what just happened? I don't, I don't even understand. I didn't even know this happened in friendships. Uh, it wasn't that it just like petered off or, you know, faded away. It was literally, I can't be friends with you. Mm. And um, so very painful. And to this day, I don't understand it. After you really began to study the misunderstood women of the Bible, What did that do for your heart in thinking about that difficult relationship that you had experienced? Well, I realized um, in light of eternity, there will be resolution to that friendship that is not resolved right now. And it was a similar situation to what you experienced. And so kind of looking at the whole breadth of scripture, just the sheer fact of these people lived and died, lived and died, lived and died. I may live and die and not see reconciliation on this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. But knowing 
how good God is and how beautiful things will be reconciled there. I can rest in that. And then I also learned kind of the importance of being quiet and uh, not being uh, trying to demand that someone understand me or trying to be my own PR manager and micromanaging my reputation. And as I grow up and grow closer with Jesus, which all of these women teach me how to do, um, I don't, I can be okay now because there can be people out in the world that do not like me and hate me. And I'm okay with that. I did not used to be okay with that. I really mm-hmm. wanted to go back and say, you have to like me. <laughs> I don't do that anymore because it's that would be very tiring and take way too much time and take my mind off of the the great thing that God wants me to do um, that's very unique and small, but it's shaped like me. I guess that's the other thing I'll say is that I think the mm-hmm. enemy wants to take us out uh, when something like that happens, when you have your yes. friend broken, break, break up with you, he'll take you out from the initial pain, but then he can double take you out from your mental thinking about it over and over and over again. And yes. so you don't want to give him two victories. He's already gotten one. Don't give him the second victory. Mm, that's so wise. Yeah. That is so wise. And I do think, you know, that I know for me, you know, I've had to forgive and you have to forgive Mm -hmm. over and over again. Um, But back to, you know, what you were talking about is, you know, maybe beginning to feel less that you need to defend. I think when I began to feel that way, it was when I began to see my God as my defender with the Mm -hmm. capital D, you know, Mm -hmm. that he that's his job. I mean, the Bible says he is our defender. And even though we want to defend ourselves, it isn't what he asks us to do. He says, I got that covered. Um, now, we may not understand that and we may not see resolve on this side of heaven, but there is a peace in that, isn't there? There is so much peace. And that's another thing I think is really important um, for the Christian woman today is to have a strong and connected relationship to the Holy Spirit. Because most of the time the Holy Spirit says, shut your mouth. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes he does say it's time to speak up. It's time yes. to defend yourself. That happens too. And so there's no like one pathway of how you're supposed mm-hmm. to act when you're misunderstood. That's why it's important. And that's why we need the spirit because he will lead us on that peaceful path. And sometimes it means shutting our mouths completely. And sometimes it means, no, wait, I'm supposed to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, some of the dark stuff that I have walked through over the last 10 Mm -hmm. years, and we now do a lot of marriage coaching and we coach people who are waiting like I Mm -hmm. was for that dark year, um, for my marriage to turn around. And that is one of the things that I say to them often, there is no right or wrong. You have to trust the Holy Spirit to Mm -hmm. lead you in the moment. And really we see that in some of these women's lives that you talked about and that you dug into in this book. Exactly. And we see like, um, particularly Phoebe, she's um, purported by most scholars to have brought the book of Romans to Rome. Cause when you're commended at the end of a book, that's typically the person carrying the letter. And um, she would have had to be very responsive to the Holy Spirit to make such a perilous journey. She was going to be walking on land, going by sea, and then getting back up into Italy and walking a very long road to Rome. Um, 
And so that took moxie, of course, but it also took just this receptivity to go left here, go right there. You know, mm-hmm. don't be afraid, keep going. They didn't exactly have MapQuest back no, then or Google Maps or anything. None of it. Yeah, so it would have been really, and she was a single person and a lady, mm-hmm. and, you know, it would have been mm-hmm. scary. So yes, I mean, there's just this need. And and you look at Mary Magdalene, she was amazing. And she was funding Jesus's ministry. She was the first witness to the resurrection. She was faithful. She had been demonized, but then delivered. And I think that's yeah. something we don't talk much about in our Western world, but it's real. Mm-hmm. Demonic forces are absolutely doing wreaking havoc on families around the world, and we need to acknowledge that it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Mark and I have uh, watched The Chosen uh, mm-hmm. a couple of times, and boy, the, the, the Chosen really brings Mary Magdalene's story mm-hmm. alive in a, a huge way. If these are some of these that we're talking about are not stories you're as familiar with, you know, A, get out God's word and begin to read it. Get a copy of Mary's book here, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. Watching something like The Chosen can help bring those stories alive. One of the things you talk about is you say that we seem to be living in a misunderstood culture. What do you mean by that? What's a misunderstood culture? Well, um, all I have to do is talk about social media and canceling (laughs) each other for one statement or one thing. And we could cancel a relationship based on a small iota of 25 years of love. And I think that in and of itself shows us that we're not talking to each other anymore. And we're relating on pixels rather than in person. And of course, the pandemic made that much worse. But we're constantly misunderstanding people. And I think, you know, I'll jump back to France, what we first talked about when we jumped on this, on this call. We, what we learned in France was we could sit around a table with our friends there and they would have arguments with each other. And as an American, I'd be like, oh, they're arguing. They must hate each other, you know, cause I think argument equals hate. And, mm-hmm. but they, and then halfway through the meal, they would actually switch their position to the other side. And I'd be like, what is going on here? And I realized they just love to debate. Like they just want to like know all the different sides of this, of the conversation. And they want to jump into the shoes of somebody else. And then they'll kiss each other on both cheeks and walk away happy. And I was like, <laughs> stressed out, so stressed out. Like, I hate each other. I'm, ah. um, but I realized something really cool about that is that Americans view discourse as a win-lose, but French people view it as a win-win. Like if I can learn more about your position, it's a win for me because I might change my position or I might learn something new. Mm. When I started changing the way I think and really looking at people kind of with this holy curiosity of why do you think that way? And maybe I'll learn something there's much less misunderstanding on my part when I have that curiosity about me. Mm, Yeah, boy, we really, we're missing curiosity. We're missing it in friendships. We're missing it in marriage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And really it's, it's part of the reason that judgment has raised up so much. So how would you say that you balance curiosity with truth? Talk about that, Mary. 
Yeah, sure. It'll be easy. Um, well, this is why, this is why we're told to speak the truth in love. So truth and love hold hands. And if we have too much, not that there's such a thing as too much truth, but you know, if it's all truth and no love, it comes off as really judgy. And if there's all love and no truth, then we're just wishy-washy. And are we even a Christian? So, you know, it's like, there's this spectrum and, and, and mm-hmm. the Apostle Paul says, we need to jump right in the middle of that spectrum, that mm-hmm. when we speak the truth, we do so with a heart of reconciliation, a heart of forgiveness, a heart of longing to love others. Um, but we should not shy away from sharing the whole truth of the gospel. You and I are both in this industry. We have, I'm sure we both have stories, which we won't share publicly, of <laughs> authors and speakers and celebrities who have fallen off the slippery slope of orthodoxy for the siren call of popularity, so to speak, and truth has taken a back seat. I think that's a tragedy. I think there is a way that we can still have fidelity to the gospel, but still be Jesus people who love others. And that I think is a dance we're going to learn the rest of our lives. And it's going to be a part of our sanctification journey. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like we could even uh, take some uh, cues from the French in, uh... yeah. <laughs> I mean, any, even... any other way, but in this case, they're really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> oh, so good. So very good. So um, I want to turn a corner here and I want to talk about something a little different. I've watched you online develop your love of art. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I don't know that I've watched you develop your love of art. I've watched you begin to embrace it more and more. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that happened for you. Um, but I want to I want to just turn that corner for a moment because, you know, you're an author, you're uh, a podcaster, you're all of these things, but the art is a form of expression for you. Can you just share how you discovered your love of art? Is that something you've done all of your life? Is that something that's newer for you? And what has uh, developing that skill done for you? Wow, it's really changed me. And, you know, I can look back over my life and I've always done it. Um, but I've always done it with an eye toward helping somebody else. So I've like always made cards for people or drawn little drawings to help people. Like it's just been a part of my DNA. But I remember in like high school and college, like my college roommate was an art major and I just have like this deep longing. Like I wish I could take art classes. That would be so cool. I would love that. But because I have more of a, uh, illustrative type of art gift, so to speak. And, and I've been to the Louvre. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a hard time saying I'm an artist because I'm not going to be right, you know, doing this great impressionist painting or I'm not going to cut off my ear, thankfully, you know, all those mm-hmm. things. Um, so I've seen fine art. And so it's hard for me to define my art as that way because it can be a little bit more pen and ink and watercolor. But it started, um, this resurrection of it started about seven or eight years ago when a friend of mine was doing paintings every day for Lent. So 40 uh-huh. days he did a painting and I thought that was the coolest thing and I didn't want want to give up chocolate. So I thought this would be better. (laughs) (laughs) So I started painting once a day for 40 days. And eventually I would share it with my newsletter list or whatever. And eventually, several years later, my newsletter list were the ones that convinced me to put it up on Etsy. And 
thankfully, um, during the pandemic, when I lost 100% of my speaking engagements, just as you had, and I was asking myself, self, how are you going to manage financially? I remembered my Etsy shop and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go all in. And so that's been kind of the, that's the journey, but the joy of it has been so fun because it's a second dimension. It's part of my my connection to God. It's a second dimension. It's both visual and writing. And I just love combining those two. Uh, And I love your art. I mean, Mary, I love, I know I've sent you a couple of DMs over time or, you know, I've seen something and I'm just like, oh my goodness, I just, I love it. And you usually are weaving scripture into it, but I, I don't know. I just love the simplicity of it. Um, and, and I'm not an artist in any way, shape or form. I, I have, I mean, I can barely draw a stick person. So I do not have an artistic bone in my body from that kind of art. You know, right, I, I sure. sit on the more the musical side of of art. I remember um, that. Yes, you're an awesome singer. I remember that. Yeah, I really do enjoy that. But I just I, I just feel like I've it, it's been neat. You've embraced it. It's kind of been a coming into your yourself. And I think that one of the things that we as women can do is that we can we can really put ourselves in a box. Mm-hmm. And it can be more about responsibility and uh, getting things done and all of that. And there's something to be said about developing the creative side of us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's so much, there's so much joy that comes from it. And Mm -hmm. to actually just give yourself permission, that was what I had to do. I had to say, okay, I'm not Picasso, but I'm still going to give myself permission to enjoy this and to Mm -hmm. have fun with it. And I think the more I sink into the joy of it, I think the better I get at it, which is if I had art classes, I would have all of that, like, you have to do this, you can't do that, and all these do's and don'ts. Whereas I have this freedom. I break a lot of rules, I'm sure. I don't even know what rules I'm breaking, but it's so much fun. (laughs) Because in writing, as you know, I mean, there are very strong rules about writing that you have to stay within those parameters. You can still be Mm -hmm. creative, but you can't really break rules for the most Mm -hmm. part. And so this is one of my ways of being a rebel. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right. So before we bring this to a close, the other thing I want you to talk about is your podcast, Pray Every Day, because um, that has really kind of exploded for you. And so talk about how you got started on that. What do you do? It's a it's a really unique podcast. So it's very different. It's not like my podcast template or style that uh, that I utilize. Talk about what Pray Every Day looks like. So it's about three and a half years old. And I had this book um, released called Jesus Every Day. It was a 360 day devotion, kind of like the opposite of Jesus calling. So instead of Jesus saying stuff to us, we're praying the scripture back based on a scripture of that day. And so I was at a mastermind meeting, which I think we all need to be in if we're professionals. And my I it was actually a retreat and they said, I said, what do I do to promote this book? They actually came up with the idea of the podcast and I told them they were dumb. So, <laughs> so I was like, every day, are you crazy? Um, but, you know, they were right. And that's why we have to have friends. You know, we have to have people in our lives that help us see things. So I started in February of that year, three and a half years ago. And so basically the format is, 
I read scripture and I go through a whole book at a time. So right now I'm reading through the book of Exodus. I usually read about one chapter or a half chapter, depending on the time. And then according to that scripture, I pray for you, but the podcast is only five minutes long. By the time your podcast airs, I should have reached 3 million downloads, which is all glory to God, because I don't know how that happened. It's amazing. miraculous and 150 something countries. And, um, it's been such a joy. So again, that's the power of having community because I would not have started that podcast without the push of my friends. And that's why we can't be isolated Christians. We need each other. Yes. Yes. You are exactly right. That is, we, we need people that speak into our lives that help us to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I love that you were like, that's crazy. There's no way. Do that. <laughs> oh, I know. But I love, I mean, a five minute podcast. I'm sure that's part of the reason it works so well too, mm-hmm. is that people get in the habit of putting it on maybe while they're doing their makeup in the morning or they're, mm-hmm. you know, driving to work or whatever. And it's getting them in God's word and mm-hmm. praying God's word. And that is very impactful. Yeah. Love he gets all the glory because it's all about his word. <laughs> so it's it is. awesome. Yeah. It is. We will put all of the links to the show notes. We'll put a link to your Etsy shop, mm-hmm. uh, all that goodness out there. Um, a link to the book, um, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. Uh, where, where would you say, Mary, you hang out most online and where can people find you online? My best place is Instagram and it's just my handles at Mary Demuth. And I'm actually currently painting every woman from the most misunderstood women of the Bible and giving those paintings away, the originals. And so if people want to enter to win, they can go to marydemuth.com slash misunderstood. But if they go to marydemuth.com, they should find all sorts of things. But if they want to enter that, they can go to the misunderstood link. Oh, I love that. I love that. So Mary, as we get ready to um, bring this to a close, would you be willing to pray for our listeners? Absolutely. Jesus, thank you so much for another day of life. Thank you for the woman listening today who is broken by her circumstances. Maybe she's living like Tamar in the middle of her story and she can't see her way out. I pray for light. I yeah. pray your Holy Spirit would illuminate um, the love that you have for her. I pray that she would even hear echoes of you singing delight over her. Mm-hmm. I pray for uh, resurrection after death. And we know that you're the kind of God that can bring life out of death and beauty from ashes. So I pray for that too. Lord, I pray for those who feel misunderstood. And I I know that pain. Um, Jill knows that pain. We know that pain. And Lord, I pray that there would be a break in that um, stalemate. Uh, But in the process of waiting, help us to be receptive to whatever you have for us and to learn and scoop up all the lessons that we need from that valley of misunderstanding. And thank you so much that you are one who understands us and that you were most misunderstood when you walked this earth um, and you can relate and you have empathy for us. So we thank you for that. Give us a day where we can see you, experience you and hear um, your delight over us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. 
one more thing. We have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships. Thank you.